All right, we got the uh, original trio back together, the first ever uh, NFL Division Preview Series in 2019, the three of us, Benjamin Carlson, welcome back, always a pleasure having you on, especially talking football. Always a pleasure to be here opining on my favorite football team, my favorite division, honestly, in football, year in and year out, uh, because it's got my team in it, really, it's as simple as that, and I'm happy to be here to talk a little bit of NFC West football with the he's done it guys. Yeah, and it is a little cheating to say that you are officially the only person who has done a division every single year that we've done this because you did every single division in 2019. So it's not fair competition there, but uh, that is something you can still hold on to because you know we are doing the NFC West. Of course, a perfect division for you, rocking the 49ers. Um, Everything. Everything for you. Yeah. I'm also wearing 49ers underpants right now. I'm not going to show that to you, but just know it's true. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I believe it. I uh, This used to be a family show. An- Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, <it is>. 49ers <laughs> socks as well. I've got the uh, 49ers flag waving out just front. just only wearing 49ers. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't have an NFC West team or any NFC West gear, so I decided instead to wear the Salt Life t-shirt that Benjamin got me for Christmas one year. Hey, a shout years out. Ago. <laughs> yeah, which I realized you can barely even see it on my video, so I had to show it just there. And that's all we're going to talk about with my <laughs> apparel. Let's talk about your apparel here because the 49ers are, I think it's fair to say, the most exciting team in this division just given that they went to the NFC Championship game last year. They were so close to making the Super Bowl, and then Brock Purdy's elbow blew up on him in the first quarter of the nfc championship game and that was really all she wrote uh you know all three of us had very high expectations for the niners last year they managed to live up to them not how we expected with the top two quarterbacks going down then of course it leads to brock purdy mr relevant seventh round rookie quarterback and it sounds like he's gonna be healthy and he'll be good to go week one against my Steelers. And I guess let's kind of start with the quarterback situation i feel like there's a lot of different ways we can go with it but is it no doubt Sam or Brock Purdy should be the starting quarterback for the Niners in week one, assuming he's healthy and ready to go. Oh, yes, absolutely. Brock Purdy has taken nothing but first-team snaps uh, in training camp. Now, he's not all the way back. I think it's every third yep. day he just doesn't yeah, throw. Exactly. So he's still recovering. Um, so he's not 100% of the way back. But on the days where he's practicing – He's full go as far as training camp goes. I mean, obviously, they're not hitting quarterbacks, but he's out there. He's only playing with the first team, and the competition right now is between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold for number for number two. So this is Brock Purdy's team. That's what he earned last season. He still hasn't lost a game that he's played all the way through, and this is his team until further notice. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Brock Purdy was definitely – solid uh when he came in last season and brought him all the way to the nfc championship game it's a shame he got hurt early in that game they probably still would have lost philly was such a good team last year but it would have it would have been such a more such a more competitive game it's totally hypothetical uh uh, there's you can't know the outcome the 49ers lost that's how football happens I I I uh, am gonna leave. No, with I that I get it. I've spent the whole off season hearing Eagles losers, by the way, of the Super Bowl uh, fans saying that the it doesn't even matter that he got hurt, which I think is very disingenuous. But I'll leave it at that. No, it absolutely would have been more competitive, a more compelling game with freaking Josh Johnson out there. Please, that was 
that was a that was a train wreck. Yeah, to and watch. then eventually just Purdy without an ability to throw. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how bad it got. It got where he it had got to, really really bad. It was yeah, yeah him and McCaffrey <laughs> throwing passes <laughs> as well. Yeah, that's uh-huh. how bad it got. I honestly wish McCaffrey had thrown more passes. He only got one chance. Yeah, it right. Complete. It was train wreck bad. of a play. <laughs> <laughs> he had that sweet pass in that Rams game. He thinking he could do more of it, but no. Yeah, <laughs> he had that one pass in the that playoff game, and that was it. Um, yeah, so Purdy definitely deserves the starting job, and like you said, Ben, he's the uh, the Niners are they're making him practice two straight days and then give him a day off. But I I expect that to increase to daily uh, as as training camp uh, rolls on through the, through August, and he definitely deserves a starting job. And I I mean it's a shame that we haven't we really didn't get to see Trey Lance do much with the with the with the Niners offense he plays one game in the rain and then immediately gets hurt in the second week of the season and so as fans like yeah we haven't seen a big sample size from him but at the same time you know the Niners organization has seen him plenty in practice we're not a game not a game we're talking about practice <laughs> we've seen him plenty they, they've seen plenty of him in practice and they don't love what they've seen out of Trey Lance. Like there'll be some positive reports. Like he worked out with Mahomes at one point and was showing progress. But then there are some reports where, where he he just hasn't uh, he hasn't lived up to the hype. And uh, I wouldn't go as far to say that Darnold should be ahead of him in the depth chart, but but he should be behind Purdy. So and I, I think it, that's to me where the more interesting conversation kind of comes here i agree brock purdy just based on what he did last year he showed enough that he deserves to be the shot at the week one starter and to continue growing in that offense growing as a quarterback i mean i have my doubts about how he would do in any other system um but he's certainly a a fine fit for the kyle shanahan system and i think can trey lance like i've kind of convinced myself that he still has a high enough value there could still be some opportunities that another team should acquire him i also feel like i mean the didn't the niners pay sam darnold three million this year feels like a lot for a third string quarterback and maybe you can get away with it when your starter is making third string money but it almost feels to me like they're gonna need to make a decision and you know as great as it would be to have a third quarterback ready to go after what happened last year I just have a hard time envisioning the Niners carrying all three of those guys, given that they're all going to have some level of value to another team. I don't know. Has that been speculation that you've heard at um, all? Last I heard, the 49ers are fully prepared to carry three quarterbacks through the season. I don't think, especially because they changed the rules where your third quarterback doesn't count against your game day roster. What is it, like 48 or 49 that you have to inactivate the rest of your 53-man roster? Yeah, I think it's 46. Yeah, yeah. so – they get to you get to bring in that third quarterback even if they weren't on the roster that day or you know part of that 46 so i do i think of all teams the 49ers almost are <laughs> like forced to take advantage of that rule so I, I fully expect all three quarterbacks to be on this roster um this season and i think that the 49ers want to have a strong of a qb room as possible i think the reason they brought in sam darnold is because kyle shanahan has always liked sam darnold i remember when it was like oh we should maybe tank for sam darnold (laughs) and Uh uh also you know 
Trey Lance is so young and so inexperienced. I, I've read some sort of statistic. I don't have it on hand, but he's he's thrown uh, like less footballs, uh, like less passes in his like since becoming a college quarterback than Tom Brady threw in his final season. You know, like he has barely played football at all. So it's tough to evaluate where he's at, especially because, in my opinion, you can grow a lot more as a player in real game action than you can in practice i mean brock purdy was out there with the practice squad apparently doing a great job playing against the 49ers defense but i think even those guys were a little surprised when he came out there against the dolphins and showed that he really had it right so i i still think that the the jury is out on trey lance which he if he gets his opportunity which he very well could this season i think there's still hope that he could show some sort of yeah, value. That, I don't know about... That's why I would keep him. Yeah. Purdy should absolutely start, but you're not going to get... Obviously, you're not going to get what they paid for him in terms of trading all those picks. Right. And so... Exactly. Yeah, like, it, you'd be selling low on him. So I, I might as well... You might as well just keep him just to see if he can develop into a better quarterback. Yeah, and that's the, there's like a sunk cost fallacy with... Uh, yep the like drafting your quarterback and and trading these first round picks because like that's done and dusted at the same time it's like you got brock purdy with a seventh round pick and you got george kittle with a fifth round pick or or uh fred warner with a fifth round pick and it's like you know eventually it's not there's not one defined value for a pick obviously you wish you could have done something smarter there but you kind of just have to roll with the value you have on your team and the truth is the 49ers have a really stacked roster they don't necessarily need trey lance to be the game-changing quarterback today you know uh they could roll with a decent quarterback uh who just kind of manages the game would you love to have that obviously but you kind of you're still in a pretty good situation regardless yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm convinced that Sam Darnold could lead the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. Like, I know things got really bad with the Jets and the Panthers, but I think he's shown signs here and there that he can be capable of running what seems like, I don't want to say an easy offense to run. I don't think I could step in and do anything with the Niners. But as a, you know, at least a quarterback with some pedigree, I do think that Darnold could be enough in certain moments in the same way that Brock Purdy was able to step in as a, a rookie quarterback and perform well enough you know credit to him as he definitely played well it's not like he you know just throwing a wide open receivers every single play like he had to make plays on his own but I think uh you know it'll be interesting to see how things play out there I, I do want to see Trey Lance get an actual shot it doesn't feel like he'll get in San Francisco unless Purdy just is not the same player following this injury but it is uh it, it's something to watch how this plays out with these three quarterbacks and i could see it being a scenario where the niners start with those three guys and then come trade deadline some team is desperate they need a quarterback someone gets hurt and they're an appealing option and maybe get a lot more value than you would get you know maybe now you can't get a third round pick for lance but mid-season you could probably get maybe even higher depending on the situation and if some team is like really buying into him I think it's tough to see another team valuing Trey Lance as much as the Niners do because he is a very cheap option at quarterback. The 49ers have like one of the most cost-effective QB rooms in the entire league, and I don't know if the 49ers... Again, maybe I'm projecting, but I think <laughs> the 49ers are as afraid as I am of running out of quarterbacks again. So they're going to want to keep their cheap quarterback room of... You know, especially Trey Lance, who's familiar with what they've got going on there. You know, all he has ever known mm -hmm. is 49ers uh, 
you know, football. He knows Kyle Shanahan's system. And like we're saying, you don't have to be the greatest quarterback in the world to still be successful in Shanahan's system. Uh, so I, I think there's a chance that Brock just holds down the job and, and Trey really doesn't give a chance to prove himself. And maybe his time with the Niners kind of peters out. Although I think he still has another season next he year. Does. So yeah, just he does. Staying cheap means he'll probably stay on the roster. I just can't see them trading him this year uh, just with the, the current situation. Yeah, I, I, I think they should stick with three quarterbacks, especially with how last year went where they did lose three quarterbacks and they had to go to a fourth guy. Now, I do want to say this because mm-hmm. I, I've now that we've had all the, an off season to review kind of the things that Brock Purdy did. Um, I've I've heard people talking about like his inaccuracy, his tendency to drift left in the pocket, uh, and you know the fact that he's throwing to these yards after the catch monsters. Uh, the Forty ers are one of the best teams, if not the best uh, team in the league on yards after the catch. So it's like he just has to get the ball to them quickly and then let them take off, but. I, my thing with Brock is I think he might be him. I think Brock has that edge that you have to have as a quarterback where you you don't get frazzled, you don't get shaken. You know, he has that dog in him, for lack of a better term. And I and I think this season is is like what's going to prove it. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think that Brock Purdy really is the future with the 49ers. And I, I'm that is kind of bold saying that this early, but just hearing the things that his teammates say about him and kind of the confidence that he instills in like the organization, I think this might be the guy. And, and that's why it's so strange sometimes the way that quarterbacking works out in the NFL. It's like so unpredictable. Like who would have seen uh, RG3 getting drafted to the Redskins and then be like, Yep, and Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins is the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a perfect example. No, it's, I mean, that it's yeah, I think so. I'd say it would probably be the second most unlikely quarterback story, following Kurt Warner, who was you know undrafted uh, barnstormer in the Arena Football League, bagging groceries, and takes over for. In this case, it was Trent Green, who was like a viable starting quarterback. You know, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo were, you know, maybe similar in terms of their pedigree. But yeah, I mean, that would probably be the only thing that could top it. Not Tom Brady. Brady was Mr. Relevant. (laughs) Well, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. Brady was a seventh round pick. (laughs) Well, not necessarily in terms of expectations, but. Or like you know how high he can grow, but I'm I'm trying to remember yeah. what the stat was. But Purdy, I think, was the first rookie quarterback to beat Tom Brady in their first meeting, or what? I think that was what it was. Oh, like, interesting. Tom yeah, Brady I mean, checks had out. Never lost to a rookie quarterback. I I want to say that was the stat, but just look at that game. The 49ers absolutely obliterated the Buccaneers. Yeah, it wasn't even close. And the whole conversation was about unlikely starters, late round picks as quarterbacks. Uh-huh. So the storyline is definitely there. So if you believe in kind of like the mythic influence of uh, storylines on the outcomes of the NFL, I mean, I haven't gotten the leaked script for this season, but they might have something big for Brock Purdy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, it was also year two for, for Brady when he first won that Super Bowl. Um, I don't remember where Kirk Warner, like, actually his, like, NFL <laughs> timeline was. But uh, uh, I guess, you know, one one topic that I, I do kind of want to go from here. So we're talking about quarterbacks and the health of quarterbacks and injuries. The Niners get banged up every single year. And, it, you know, last year it felt like it was very concentrated within that quarterback room with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and eventually Brock Purdy going down. Not to say there weren't other injuries, but 
it wasn't kind of like 2020 where, you know, Nick Bosa tears his ACL and, you know, nobody could stay healthy that year. So I guess my question to you, Benjamin, and, you know, from as the, the 49ers side of the thing is, who do you think is like the most important 49er health wise? Is it their quarterback situation? Is it one of the skill players, one of the many guys on defense? Is there one person who like would kind of really make things dicey if he were to go down? I, yeah, obviously you don't want anybody to get hurt, and I think any of the star players going down is a, a huge detriment. Um, I think there's probably multiple right answers to this, but I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey is another one of those acquisitions by the 49ers that had people scratching their head because of the draft capital that was you know exchanged to get him. Not to mention the amount of money you're paying a running back when it's very in vogue right now to cheap charlie the very best running backs in the league so but but i do think that one of the things that mccaffrey does that sets him apart from some of these other um guys that are out there smashing grass is he can receive he's more than just a running back he's an offensive weapon and i think his presence in the backfield or sometimes in the slot or sometimes receiving a direct snap or even lining up out wide McCaffrey unlocks this offense to make to give Kyle Shanahan to, uh, the option to do literally anything. He's a mad scientist with the way that he designs these plays. There's plays where McCaffrey's out wide and Debo's in the backfield, and you know George Kittle is the fullback, and you know there's all these weird things going on. And I I think that the the keystone to that is McCaffrey being so dynamic. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the best track record with health. The 49ers don't have the best track record with running back health. So it does worry me that McCaffrey getting seriously injured could start to unravel the 49ers offense. Yeah, even though McCaffrey is a running back and they have a good running backup running back in Elijah Mitchell, who I think would be just who's currently injured That's right true. now. He does get hurt a lot. Uh, I agree that McCaffrey... 49ers running yeah. backs. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree that McCaffrey is the right answer. Even though he's a running back, he's kind of an outlier in the league where he's just so involved in the passing game and is just a, is such a good runner all right to begin with. And he really changed that offense once he got traded to San Francisco uh, halfway through the year. And I thought it was a lot of draft capital where, yeah, like I, even I would pause uh, to see, like, thinking that like, is this really worth it to give up a second, third, fourth, and fifth rounder for a running back? But, I mean, he definitely was awesome in the second half of the season with them, and it's such a great fit. Uh, so I agree that McCaffrey would be the right answer, but just to be different, I guess I would say Debo because of just how absurdly efficient he is. And with like what, what you mentioned, Ben, with the yards after the catch, I mean, he was absurd in that 2021 season. Like, not that he was bad last year, but he was just in, uh, insane uh, yards after the catch uh, in 2021. By his own evaluation, he was I, he, bad he had, last year. He's been very <laughs> open about how he will not put anything that bad on tape again. And this season, he's like ready to get he, back He ran to for it. eight touchdowns two years ago, and he's a wide receiver. Yeah. I, I mean, I said that he was the best player in, in football, like in terms of offensive talent in 2021. And he, he definitely wasn't the same guy in 2022. Uh, but I mean, we know what he can do to that team. And 
I, I, I feel like both of those are very, like I've been back and forth on both of them. I think the one thing I'd say is, well, if something were to happen to Debo, Brandon Ayuk can step in as like, I, I think he's a very good wide receiver who's continued to grow. And it feels like the drop off after Christian McCaffrey is so big, just because like you said, he's a running back who does so much more than just running back. And Debo Samuel's a wide receiver does so <laughs> much more than wide receiver. receiver yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I know. And it is like having both of those players is awesome. Having one of them is more than enough being without both of them. And that offense yeah. takes a huge drop off. And all of a sudden, it does kind of matter who your quarterback is. You can't just throw anybody. Brandon Ayuk, he kind of got off to a sort of slow start to his career. I, I, I just remember two years yeah, ago, he, he was uh-huh. kind of in the doghouse where Debo was doing literally ev- the yeah, dog everything, really. and Brandon was. Ayuk was that literally was doing nothing. Like we thought he might just get. Yeah, cut, I thought like. at some point like they would just get rid of him, but no. I mean, I think he's matured and and you know accepts his role more and fits really well with that offense, even if he's not the first or second or third option, uh, even at times. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're exactly right. It's funny um, because back then, the, I remember the Niners having a bunch of problems, and it was like, Brandon Ayuk benched. He's in the doghouse. It's like, why are we hurting ourselves? Like, why are we keeping one of our better players, like presumably better players <laughs> off the field by like volunteering to do that? Uh, but he has come a long way. Last year is a a breakout season for Brandon Ayuk as far as production goes. And if, uh, so there's a 49ers beat reporter that I follow, David Lombardi, uh, no relation to the Lombardi trophy, but he has, he's my favorite because I feel like I I agree with his opinions. Last year, he was big on Nick Bosa's looking like he's going to win defensive player of the year. That's how good he's been in training camp. Lo and behold, that came true, right? I kind of, uh, kind of, uh, you know, let him lead me to that bold prediction that I was right about as well. But this year, his thing is that Brandon Ayuk has been the best offensive player in 49ers training camp. That Brandon Ayuk is like has turned a corner; he's on another level, and he's got that wide receiver one stature. Uh, like again, David Lombardi saying that they need to pay Brandon Ayuk right now before he has a huge season and they can't afford him. So, uh, which of course they wouldn't do, but the idea there is uh-huh. that he's about to make a lot of money this season by, you know, playing really well. So I'm, I don't know. I feel like the 49ers have a lot of great options, um, on offense. Although one thing I will say, just a, another potential answer of like, Oh no, if this guy gets hurt, we're screwed. Trent Williams at left tackle, you know, yep. the departure That's- of Mike McGlinchey mm-hmm. puts Colton McIvitz in the probable starting role at right tackle very unproven he's had his, I've his never starts them, but so. well the 49ers offensive line never stay healthy so he's played and he's been uh, okay like he started a few games last year so it's probably but, not a bad thing that i've never heard of him if he's actually seen the field right that sure hasn't been a detriment right yeah. right and and the 49ers offensive line in general i think is decently underrated but trent williams anchors that offensive line and you know we're putting our old swing tackle in it right tackle now who's going to replace left tackle if we lose Trent Williams. Trent Williams hasn't played an entire season since joining the Niners. He's pretty old. I think he's 35. He's getting uh, up there. And he still won the best left yeah, tackles. Even, but yes, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's very still much elite. up there. It, he's one of those mm-hmm. left tackles that like when I'm watching like highlights of games or like rewatching games, I'll just watch him on the play. You know, it's that entertaining <laughs> to see him throwing uh, these like defensive linemen around. But 
you know, the older you get, Father Time is undefeated, and he doesn't have exactly the best track record. And I don't care how much of a dog you got in you if you're the quarterback and you're getting smashed every play because you can't uh, stand back there for more than two seconds, then I think we're going to be in trouble. So that's another one to look out for. 49ers have moved around a lot of pieces, like bargain pieces, that offensive line this offseason. And I don't know. I feel very shaky about any sort of depth at that position. I agree with that. The the Niners O-line is it's very middle of the pack. And then if they were to lose Trent Williams, it would be at the bottom. <laughs> they, they, they would be he, – he absolutely anchors their O-line. And if they were to lose him, it would be trouble. Yeah, I mean, he. It feels like there's so many key offensive players on that team that you can talk about any of them. We didn't and, even mention you know, George Kittle. It, it takes all of them and Trent Williams. <laughs> I know. I mean, George Kittle. I feel like he gets hurt yeah, a lot, get, and yeah, you know, he has some games where he's more of a blocker. Some games where he's like a big offensive, like pass catching producer. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, everything coming together. Like you know, they're all different you know cogs in the wheel that make the 49ers as exciting of an offense as they have and you like to think Kyle Shanahan is creative enough that he can get by without one or two of them but you know of course if the health becomes a big issue across the board like it has been in the past and that could derail what looks to be a promising season and um you know we, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense we haven't really talked about the defense which in its own right is one of if not the best in the league and I think it's kind of interesting because one of, if not the bear, their best player is currently holding out, like straight up, not even at training camp, getting fined. Nick Bosa right now, he wants a contract. Uh, I mean, is he worth everything? Like, he feels like he is. He just won defensive player of the year, right? So Now, now okay, so the fines that he's getting are rescindable as long as he signs a contract before week one. So okay. they're kind of fake fines. They're fake because fines. Because everybody is like kind of in agreement here that we are going to get this signed. But uh-huh. that being said, I'm getting a little nervous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> preseason games have started and no Nick Bosa. Now, this is not out of the ordinary for Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa did hold out as a rookie. And he basically missed all of training camp. And then he came in and started dominating right away. So I'm not afraid of this hurting his impact when he returns, but it kind of feels like if he returns. If the 49ers let Nick Bosa slip through their fingers, <laughs> just to liquidate the franchise. Go to 31 teams in yeah. the NFL because this is a no-brainer. He's worth whatever he's asking for, and you keep a guy like Nick Bosa in your building as long as you can. Um, I like The issue, I think, is that what I've heard brought up, uh, salary stuff in the NFL, I can't keep track of it, but people have said it's because he wants more money than Aaron Donald. Now, is Nick Bosa Aaron Donald? No, <laughs> but the NFL salary cap grows. You know, you go into the future, you end up getting paid more money. So I don't think that that should hold them back to be like, oh, well, he's not as good as Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a freak of nature. He's best described as an alien. I think Nick Bosa is worth being like, we should be willing to pay him more than the Rams are paying Aaron Donald, especially because he's so young. We need Nick Bosa, uh, you know, playing for the Niners for a long, long time. I mean, their, their defensive line is still, even without Bosa, they still have a lot of great players on their D line. But yeah, if, if they were to, you know, lose Bosa or if he, if he, if they weren't to pay him and he actually did hold out for meaningful games and that would be a huge problem. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time. So it just reminds me a lot of the TJ Watt situation that the Steelers went through in 2021. He didn't get paid until like a week before the season started. There were some concerns, like some fans saying, oh, just draft another great pass rusher because the Steelers stumble upon him all the time. And, um, you know, questions about how is he going to do after not practicing? He went out and won defensive play of the year. So, you know, I, I think that there's reason to believe Nick Bosa, even with him not being out there, still has the talent. Um, but I think the one question that I have is, is he even the, the most important player on the Niners defense or, you know, cause they have so many talents there as well, where it's similar to, you know, Christian McCaffrey versus Debo Samuel versus Trent Williams. And I think one name that kind of like jumps out to me, which it feels almost crazy to say is Fred Warner. He's an off ball linebacker, which is not a super valuable position, but it almost feels like he's so good at that position that, you know, like Brian said, they have so many other guys on the defensive line that is Warner almost the more important player on that defense. Well, you say that like it's a choice between paying the two of them, but I no, I don't mean it. Fred's already been paid. Uh, I mean it more as in like if one of them were to go down with injury or you know whatever happens, like who would be the bigger loss on the defensive side of the ball? It's a good question. I think either of them would be a massive loss. Although Dre Greenlaw is also a very good linebacker who has played Mm -hmm. in Fred's like stead and brief stints. I don't think Fred's been very injured in his career. But um, I, right now, again, the kind of conventional thought out of 49ers camp is that they're looking pretty good in the linebacker room. And I just feel like the drop off from Nick to the next pass rusher is so huge compared to the drop off from from Fred to, to Dre to potentially whoever else uh, comes after that. Okay. Yeah, I mean that, that that's totally fair, and I, I do do agree. Dre Greenlaw is very much up there. Um, I mean, it's like it, any team losing their best players is going to to suffer a little, but you know the Niners do have well, so much talent on their roster that they can maybe afford a loss or two, but also like you can feel the effects, and it, it's hard to say one of them is more important than right. the other in this hypothetical scenario. Either of those is a massive L for the 49ers defense. I'll uh, yeah, I'll definitely agree to that. But there's I can there's just so many countless times where Nick Bosa was just a late game assassin, absolutely ending uh, games that you know otherwise maybe would have seen one of these late game collapses that you know I everybody hates to see their football team go through, um, and I just feel like you can't replace that kind of uh, clutch production. Uh, even if the D-line has improved, I'm really excited about Javon Hargrave joining the 49ers D-line. I think he's the type of pass rushing presence that gives Nick Bosa way more freedom because you can't just say, okay, let's triple team Nick on this play because we also have to worry about uh, Javon Hargrave. And, you know, Eric Armstead is still out there being like quietly, consistently, you know, pretty good to great. So I think there's a lot on this loaded D-line still. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we talk about with their offense, where like we can't, you can't just focus in on one guy. Like there are, argue, there are four guys that you got to look out for uh, in their offense. And now on their D-line, it's it's not just about Nick Bosa. Um, now, while we're talking about the D-line, I want to ask you guys uh, if this uh, if this name means anything to you. Uh, okay. It's. Do you recognize the name uh, Chris Kurasek? I. Oh, sorry, sorry. The so. Chris Chris oh. Kasarek. <laughs> I did a Chris little. Chris Kasarek. Yeah, Chris Kasarek. Does that name ring any bells or mean anything to you? Um, he's 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 our D line coach, so. right? 
that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And like I've been in researching for this um, podcast, I kind of was surprised to hear how highly respected he is around the league because 49ers like love him. Uh, but he has been so, so good at these reclamation projects, bringing in defensive linemen that have been just disappointing elsewhere and turning them into decent, like, uh, you know, role players on this D line and, and when they're on a one-year contract and then they end up getting paid more money to go somewhere else. And so like some examples of this is Arden Key, who uh, went down to Jacksonville and got paid more. Charles Amenehu, who uh, signed a contract this Seattle, season. Right? Uh, I actually don't remember where he went. Kerry Hyder went he to Seattle. From Seattle. Well, Kerry Hyder was another one who had a big year with the Niners, got paid to play for the Seahawks, and then came back to the Niners. And then Samson Ebukam was another one who just left after mm. having a little bit of a career revival with the 49ers. I think he's a less strong example. But this year, we've got a new batch of uh, reclamation projects, and it's uh, Cleland Farrell, or Cleland Farrell, okay. however you say it, and even Taco Charlton. So yes, two, I actually just saw that. Two uh-huh. massively disappointing first-round draft picks who have an opportunity uh, to maybe revive their career a little bit. And, you know, if they're able to do that, I think that would be huge to get value out of these, you know, honestly, hugely disappointing players um, would be would really put the 49ers D-line over the edge. Yeah, I, I actually used Taco Charlton as an immaculate grid answer for the Steelers and oh, Cowboys uh, <laughs> recently. I uh, honestly, I mean, I don't remember him really doing anything meaningful with the Steelers. I think if anything, it was more of a meme to kind of rub it in Cowboys fans' faces that they drafted Taco Charlton ahead of T.J. Watt. You know, if he can make it work with either of those guys, like first round picks. I mean, Farrell was fourth overall; should not have gone fourth overall. Everyone hated it at the time. Yeah, even at the time, he was one of many Raiders like draft butts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did Max? But, did Max Crosby? Yeah, I mean, hey, just add more did talent. Did Max Crosby there. go in that same draft, but like several rounds later? It sounds right. Yeah, like the third <laughs> or fourth round. Yeah, hey, you know they they washed out, just flipping around, and nobody says anything. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that would be interesting. Just add another big body to the defense who, you know, maybe get something out of them and, you know, probably get paid elsewhere, but hopefully right, but give some value to the Niners this year. The, well, I just feel like having Chris Kasarek on the staff is kind of a cheat code because when you do have mm-hmm. these established stars that you're keeping around long term, your only choice is to find value in the money that you have left. And if you're getting these yep. one-year guys who are able to come in here and change their whole game because your position coach is some wizard at getting people to be better at their job, that's amazing. Uh, like I think it's one of the things that I love most about football is like the impact that coaching has is so tangible. Your head coach, obviously, and then your coordinators, of course, do that too. But even to be able to, to realize it at the positional coach level is is different. Again, this could be a little bit of 49ers fans sniffing our own farts because we're like, oh, we have the best D-line <laughs> coach. But uh, um, I do think that there's tangible evidence uh, that says Chris Kasarik is one of the best positional coaches in the league. And we have another opportunity to see what he can do. So I think that's kind of an exciting like uh subplot here for the 49ers 2023 season yeah it's always nice having position coaches who you like really value because you're like oh they worked really well with you know these players they we're such a good unit and you want to credit the coach for it and 
it sounds like tangible evidence if he's able to turn guys' careers around. The Patriots around. had offensive line coach Dante Scarnecchia for all these years, and he gets so much yep. credit for for, oh, yeah. for all the good old lines that the Patriots had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess any other 49ers things you want to talk about now before we move on to other teams in the division? Yeah, just one more thing. I mean, speaking of the 49ers coaching staff, obviously D'Amico Ryans departed for uh, Houston to become the head coach down there. He, at one point, was the linebacking coach before becoming promoted to the uh, defensive coordinator position. I feel like the Mm -hmm. Shanahan coaching tree is one of the uh, strongest coaching trees that bears the uh, the best fruit, if we're going to stick with the tree metaphor. Yep, I agree with that. I'm excited about Steve Wilkes. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think Steve Wilkes is, you know, it's a little different since he's not, he didn't come up in the league with Kyle Shanahan. Like he didn't arrive in San Francisco and like work his way up within the organization. But I think he's shown that he can be, you know, decent. Uh, His opportunities last year uh, show that he can at least right the ship a little bit in Carolina. And uh, I'm, I think that there's so much uh, talent on the field that it's not asking the most of an established coach like Steve Wilkes to continue to make the 49ers defense good. I don't know if they'll be as good as they were last year. I'm kind of expecting a little bit of regression, but I still think that he can continue the legacy that Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans have kind of laid out before him in, in San Francisco. You know, it it's a tough act to follow, but Wilkes has proven that he can be a really solid defensive coordinator. I think he was a great leader with the Panthers last year. I don't necessarily think he's a great head coach, um, despite that little interim success he had with that franchise. But I definitely, you know, like his chances of continuing to keep that 49ers defense going I can't strong. tell you much about him, but that Panthers team had no business being in contention for the division. I mean, shows you how bad that the NFC South was last year, but at the same time, it's like they sold off all their pieces or at least their good ones outside of maybe DJ Moore. But I mean, the fact that they were like in contention, you know, near the end of the season is kind of saying something. I don't know. He had a good interim moment uh, for Carolina last year. Oh, he definitely did a good job there. Mm -hmm. Maybe he could catapult this opportunity into another head coaching gig and then the 49ers can get more compensatory picks because (laughs) everyone can't stop stealing our staff. Uh Yeah, so many third-round picks with that new rule (laughs) in place. (laughs) Um, So, you know, this is a while ago now, it feels like, but Benjamin, you need to make a comment about Nick Bosa coming up in the clutch and being like that. Those are the moments you remember being like, he's kind of saving those games. And... um, you know, I, I have always kind of felt like that with TJ Watt. And there's one moment that particularly stands out to me, and that was in an overtime game against the Seattle Seahawks in 2021, where he just made this big, you know, force fumble, fumble recovery, put the Steelers in field goal range to win it and, uh, you know, survive against the Seahawks backup quarterback, Geno Smith. I had no idea in that moment that the Steelers were close to losing to the next year's NFL comeback player of the year. Just a <laughs> unlikely story. Just insane. I thought when they acquired Drew Locke for Russell Wilson that he would be the starter, and all of a sudden Gino takes over and not only holds down the fort, but he goes out and has a Pro Bowl season, leads the Seahawks to the playoffs, and 
It was a team that I think a lot of people had their doubts about going into the year. A lot of people thought they would be in contention for some of the worst team in the league. And after making the playoffs, the expectations are higher for this team. And, you know, Benjamin, they are your biggest rival as far as I I can tell. (laughs) So I guess I can kind of, you know, start with you here is, do you see them as a bigger threat to the 49ers this year? Like, do you think that they're ready to kind of, you know, not just be just as good, you know, live up these expectations, maybe even take the next step or. Uh, It sucks being in the same division as the Seahawks because they just never die. Even when they're supposed (laughs) to be the worst, even when they trade away Russell Wilson, which I'm like, I, I could not believe my good fortune when the, the when Russell Wilson was no longer going to be personally uh, persecuting me twice a year or sometimes three times a year because he had our number. His record against the 49ers is impeccable. I think we only beat him like three or four times and over like a decade. And <laughs> it, so I was so happy to see him go. And even though the 49ers definitely had the Seahawks number last year, I think the Seahawks have only gotten better. You know, they've, they've added weapons on offense and they're, their uh, secondary just on paper looks amazing so yes I do think that the Seahawks can be even better uh, this season and uh, like honestly it does uh, frighten me in a year where the 49ers so obviously should win the division that you have this kind of sleeper team that has so much potential uh, pent up although I will say I think it all kind of comes down to if Gino can continue to be who we saw last year uh, to, he needs to continue to defy his history uh, to to for the team to reach that kind of potential. Yeah, when it comes to the Seahawks, I will just admit that I was dead wrong on them entering last season, and I'm just going <laughs> to write the ship in term in terms of this season because yeah, I'm I'm definitely a believer in Seattle this season, and I believe that they could do even better than what they did last season because. I mean, Geno, he was just excellent last year, comeback player of the year. He was, you know, he led the league in completion percentage. And, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are both awesome. DK Metcalf is a monster. And Tyler Lockett, even though he's already in his 30s, he's shown no signs of decline. And then now they add Jackson Smith and and Jigba to that wide receiver core. So having that kind of trio for a receiving, receiving core is pretty awesome. And... And Kenneth Walker, they drafted last year. He was great in play in replace of Rashad Penny when he went down. And they drafted Zach Charbonnet uh, in the second round, another running back, which was kind of an odd pick, but he averaged seven yards a carry at UCLA, which is just absurd. Uh, so they have, yeah. So so they could be really good in the passing game, but also the running game, like even better than what they did last season. And their off their offensive line is not a sieve like it was when they had. Russell Wilson on our center like their offensive line is much improved too and so yeah I, I I'm definitely high on the Seahawks offensively and then even de- even defensively like they're not going to be the legion of boom but they could potentially have one of the best secondaries in the league like Tariq Wollen they drafted last year he was great they drafted Devin Witherspoon fifth overall I'd imagine he'll make a big impact this season and they get Jamal Adams back and Quandre Diggs has been a has, has been a pro bowler three years in a row and he's definitely helped their defense and so yeah i i'm i'm really high on the seahawks this year and yeah i'll just accept that i was wrong last year and make sure that doesn't happen again 
Yeah, I forget exactly what my final verdict was on them, but I do remember feeling like, is this, is the Pete Carroll Seahawks team, are they really going to be the worst team in the league? And, you know, I think it was easy to buy into it. Geno Smith was much better than expected. And overall, the team was much better. Their draft was awesome. And I think I, I initially had some hesitations thinking, Geno Smith can't possibly be as good as he was last year, right? It's just an unprecedented situation. A guy in year 10 has, been, he was, t- like, he goes was from basically just a, a backup his whole, his whole career. career. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden he comes out as a pro bowler. And I, I think one comparison, which it's definitely not a perfect comparison because he had a higher highs than Geno Smith did in the early portion of his career and also had slightly higher pedigree. But Ryan Tannehill was written off after going to Miami to Tennessee and right away in year one in Tennessee takes over for Marcus Mariota a few weeks into the season. And he was a you know, top five quarterback. You know, I know the playoffs, he didn't really do a ton. It was mostly Derrick Henry literally carrying the Titans to that AFC championship game, but <laughs> it feels like that's a similar comparison. And Geno Smith, um, you know, if he were to kind of take the same continuation, Tannehill has slowly dropped off to the point where he's no longer even close to being you know an above average you know top 10 top 15 quarterback but if Gino can still have something in him the defense should be so much better I mean last year that their defense was not very good and yes like their secondary was awesome and can be really awesome this year their run defense 150 yards per game it was the third worst in the league only better than the Bears and the Texans who are the two worst teams record-wise in football so I just think that defensively the Seahawks can make up for it to at least continue to stay on the ground or like the same ground of being you know nine and eight wildcard team but you know adding Jackson Smith and Jigba to the offense like it feels like Seattle's done everything to continue to grow here and I think the ultimate right decision they made was extending Geno Smith but also kind of putting themselves in a position where if last year proves to be a fat flash in the pan they can get out of the contract and try to build things with a you know younger or more reliable quarterback whatever direction they go Geno Smith is going to be a big part of this but I think that he'll be good enough and I think the rest of the team is much better around him that Seattle is very much a threat to you know continue to take a next leap especially in an NFC that doesn't have yeah, too many the, the AFC is just so it. much better and yeah John Schneider's done such a great job their front office has, has done a really great mm-hmm. job especially these past couple years with just how much they got for Russell Wilson and I thought that was a trade that would help both sides. I mean, I, I favored Seattle's side of it, but I didn't think it'd be this lopsided to the point where they get a top <laughs> five pick and they, they could add it like a, uh-huh. a possible elite corner in their secondary. It's just, that's so yeah, the Seattle I think is definitely on the rise. And I, I do like, I agree with you that bring back Gino on a, you know, sh- short term contract, uh, I, I think was, you know, he was very deserving of it, just how he did last year. And I think he can do even better this year. So I think all three of us are higher on, on Seattle. Yeah, unfortunately. I will be preying <laughs> on Gino's downfall all season long. <laughs> but it is inspiring to see what he's done, despite being so written off in his career. Yeah, no, the, the Seahawks aren't the only team in the NFC West who's given you heartbreak over the years, especially in the playoffs. And one, even more recently, the, the Los Angeles Rams, who it almost feels like they're being overlooked. And part of that is they went from winning the Super Bowl to, you know, the, the fuck them picks attitude, paying the bill last year, going 5-12, and 12, dealing with injuries, uh, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, 
guys that they paid in free agency not really working out for them. And I guess, you know, the, the question is, was last year that 5-12 and 12 team, is that more of who the Rams are? Or if their players are healthy, can they get back into being a contender status and just another threat in what has at times been a very loaded division? I don't think there's zero chance for the Rams, but I'm I'm definitely low on them. Like, even if Stafford and Cup were to stay healthy, uh, I still think I just I still don't think they have enough uh, uh, to you know to make any noise. Like even in a weaker conference, I just think that you know offensively outside of Cup, there's just very little to be excited about. I mean, like Van Jefferson's like locked in as the number two receiver, and I don't think he's really that great. And like after him, it's just a just a committee approach of just really not so great receivers of guys like Tutu Atwell and Ben Skoranek. They signed Demarcus Robinson, who really did not do much, even with Kansas City. They signed, uh, not signed, but they drafted in the fifth round a, a guy named Puka Nakua. Uh, I don't know if that means uh, no worries for the rest of your days, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but let's see if he can do something. But I don't know. I have I have doubts about their offense, uh, their passing offense outside of Cup. I mean, look, Stafford and Cup, as long as they're healthy, th- those two alone can help them win some games. But I just don't like the rest of their offense. And then Cam Akers, I he was good at the end of last season. Like, he was almost cut. <laughs> uh, you know, last yeah, October. I thought, they were gonna trade I him thought he was sure. a goner for sure. But uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm sure that he'll be impactful in their offense. But their O line is in really bad shape. But you know they're arguably worse in worse shape defensively because they just traded Jalen Ramsey and not that I don't love Ramsey but he is a still a good corner and you know everyone talks about Aaron Donald rightfully so but they didn't add any pass rushers alongside Aaron Donald it's really just him uh, that's worth being excited about on their defense and another thing about Aaron Donald is that you know he's amazing but he's contemplated retirement for. You know, the past couple of seasons, and I'm, I guess I question what his motivation is at this point. If the their team is, you know, no longer as good, and you know, it's just a, just a lot of misfit toys all over their team. Like after after Stafford Cup, Aaron Donald, it's just it's just a it's it's a, it's like what I said last year, where it's just such a huge drop off after their after the first few guys on their team. So I, I'm I'm not uh, high on the Rams really at all this year. I'm a little bit more high on their offense. I still believe in Matthew Stafford if he's healthy, as big as, right. but as long as he's healthy, Matthew Stafford, and also healthy Cooper Cup, I think um, you know those are the guys that kind of drive the offense forward, and then you leave the rest to Sean McVay to get the other guys open. I mean, I saw way more Ben Skoranek last season than I ever <laughs> expected for a hybrid yeah. fullback slash wide receiver uh, you know, to be out there scoring touchdowns. So, And I've heard big things about Puka Nakua. Maybe it's because his name's so memorable, but uh, maybe it's because you know people are kind of high on him. Zach Evans out of Ole Miss. I've, I've heard in like kind of the fantasy circles that Zach Evans is a like a low key, like definitely going to win you your league this year type guy. So I fully believe that, assuming health, that uh, Sean McVay can get this offense back on track in in the sense where they're at least a competitive offense. I don't know if Cooper Cup's going to break his own records and become the greatest wide receiver again, but I do think that there are pieces there 
that a healthy Matt Stafford can use with a great head coach, offensive minded head coach to, you know, win some games potentially, but I'm with you on the defense. I think the defense is like a, uh, the ghost town, dude. It is. I don't know. This is like, there's no talent here besides Aaron Donald, but part of it is because I just don't know who these people are. You know, the NFL is full of like these guys who come out of nowhere and then are good. And, I saw a tweet, so maybe it wasn't true, but somebody said there were 36 rookies at Rams training camp. So 36 guys that I don't have any background on. If all of them hit, this Rams team is already back. <laughs> Rebuild over. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, because they drafted, what, like 14 draft picks this year? Yeah, yeah they had uh, a yeah, loaded yeah, draft. And one guy's already in his 30s. Uh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> no not literally it's, it's Stetson so, Bennett like he's not oh he's uh, not 30 but right, right. he's uh, been in college forever winner, though <laughs> with sneaky yeah. like scrambling ability so he, um he went to call like he played at Georgia with Sony Michelle I actually read, heard the stat that <laughs> Sony Michelle went through college one Super Bowl retired NFL, full yeah <laughs> Full rookie contract deal, multiple teams, yeah, and retired before Seth <laughs> Bennett. That's made so it to the wild. <laughs> so yeah, I I just I think that the Rams to me have not always been known for being able to develop like late round talent, right? I mean, obviously their whole mantra over the last few years was fuck the picks, you know, fuck them picks, and and just, mm-hmm. you know buy the best players, trade for the best players. So. Yeah, I think that their their defense is going to be uh, like a mess, which is why you should full like heavily invest in their offense and fantasy because they are going to be playing from behind <laughs> or just having to compete in shootouts. And uh, but yeah, as far as like their outlook as a team, I think it's going to be tough for them to compete this year. I, I you know I don't like their offense still like. Last year, so they only scored 20 points in six out of the 17 games. Like 20 points, that's a pretty low bar for them. You know, I, I'm still believing Matthew Stafford. I still think that the I think the Rams would be better. I don't think they're going five and twelve. Yeah, I, it, I think they're like I a just, seven and I have ten a hard time, kind of team. Yeah, I have a hard time buying into this team like any more than that. And like, you know, I, I do think they're gonna end up having a few rookies who explode. I think the defense is gonna be a little better than you guys are saying. Maybe part of it is just feeling like, you know, a healthy Aaron Donald, like the defense has to be good. He'll make other guys around him good. And I also get like looking at their roster. I remember doing it last year. I mean like I can name 10 of these players and then these other guys are like, I think I know who he is, but he's not really all that impressive. And I feel like it's gotten even worse shedding some of the talent. Bobby Wagner going to Seattle. I know Leonard Floyd left some to go somewhere else. They did bring back John Johnson, who was unceremoniously cut from the Browns. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Rams to me, you know, I just, part of me wants to just throw out the idea of them bouncing back and making the playoffs and being a threat again. But I just... I don't know. Last year was just really tough. And I also wonder how much I'm saying that because I want to chalk up Steelers at Rams week seven as an easy win for the Steelers. <laughs> I don't like the idea of it not being one, but um, you know, you know, this, it's just, uh, I don't know with this team. Like I was so high on them in 2021. I just, I like the approach they took to rebuilding and not restructuring contracts to try to bring in other free agents and, actually using draft picks i know they didn't have a first rounder but they were still able to draft a lot of guys on day two and day three to just try to rejuvenate the roster a little but you know it does feel like this this team is more heading downward and i think that they're we're more likely to see some of those guys like stafford cup and donald get moved out rather than 
you know, continue. Yeah, I think they can do better than last year just because they lost Stafford and Cup and they were playing with Baker Mayfield and a bunch of backups. And so when you lose your starting quarterback, you're going to be worse. Like it doesn't matter what (laughs) state you are in, whether you're rebuilding or competing, like losing your starting quarterback. Yeah, so by default, as long as they're healthy, they should be better than what they were last year, but their ceiling is not nearly as good as it was in 2020, which is so easy to say because they won the Super Bowl. But, yeah. but, uh-huh. but I, I don't like, I don't like their team. And yeah, like we're, I think all of us to an extent are down on the offense a little, but it's really their defense, in my opinion, where they're, it's just, yeah, Aaron Donald and a bunch of guys I've never heard of. <laughs> yep. Well, I also yeah. just believe in Sean McVay's ability to manufacture yeah, the, offense. He, uh, obviously, it helps to have like you know good players, but I think there's mm-hmm. some good names here. No, like having Sean McVay is definitely a plus. Even even with a roster that's not as great, like having a a very sharp offensive minded coach like him is definitely a plus. It's just, I, it just it's just not enough to like about their team, though. It's just way too many holes on their roster to think that they have uh, any sort of you know playoff or Super Bowl aspirations in my opinion yeah no I, I agree and I think a lot of it it just feels like everyone's like one foot out the door you mentioned Donald being close to retirement John McVay almost <laughs> right he almost went to the booth to go join a broadcast <laughs> team yeah oh okay well so speaking it, of Donald I've heard uh-huh. people say uh you know Aaron Donald definitely traded by the trade deadline what do you think I, I, in my opinion, Aaron Donald is a Ram for life. Yeah, yeah I, think I, I won't. He retires I won't go that Ram. far where they tr- where they team. trade him. I'm curious what the trade package would be like. Like, what would they get in return for him? Uh, but uh, well, okay. I I was gonna save this. I have multiple bold predictions. I'll just get it over <laughs> okay. with now. One of my bold predictions is gonna be at the trade deadline. Aaron Donald is gonna get sent back to his hometown where he started in college, wow. Pittsburgh, and get a chance at a, another Super Bowl with the Steelers. And I don't know what it'll be. I hope it's, yeah, we have enough cap space to just take on the contract for a late-round pick, but I've heard this being thrown out throughout the offseason, so I'm kind of hoping that wow. can maybe happen and he still has something left into him. So Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how realistic it is, but I feel like he would love to go back to Pittsburgh if he would go anywhere else. I get the concept of being rammed for life, but... They always felt like an option. But people also thought about you know, JJ Watt's going to come to Pittsburgh because his brothers are there, and that never happened. Because yeah, so. the Cardinals gave him a stupid amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it helps. So, speaking of the Cardinals, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, let's talk about the Cardinals. Let's wrap up with the final team in this division. And you know, it's not that long ago that the Cardinals were a bona fide Super Bowl threat. I mean, they were the last undefeated team in 2021, less than two years ago, and now it just feels like they're a shell of themselves. You know, the, they fell apart down the stretch, made the playoffs, lost in the wild card round, and then last season all hell broke loose. You know, they had. Their, their general manager quit midseason. Their, one of their assistant coaches was arrested or in Mexico, fired by the team. I don't know if he's actually arrested. But um, they, uh, of course, lost Kyler Murray to a torn ACL. They ended up going 4-13. and And Cliff Kingsbury, the era is, you know, mercifully over, as some would About put time. it. And they brought in a new, yeah, new head coach, I'm new upset. GM. I liked him. Yeah, I oh, I'm sure there. you're upset. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
So that being said, expectations are very low for the Cardinals. I think there are a lot of uh, people who are not really giving them any type of chance to be successful this season. So I guess, you know, given that, what would be a successful season? Like, how would you define a successful season? Having the number one pick, drafting Caleb Williams, and trading Kyler Murray. (laughs) Preach. Yeah. Brian is spitting. That's that's really it. I mean, the Cardinals are going to absolutely suck. And I know I said about the Seahawks last year, but I'd like to think I won't be uh, wrong again on a team I think is going to stink. Like I, I is Colt McCoy the next Geno? Yeah, <laughs> comeback player of the year, thirty-seven uh, years old. I can't believe he's still playing. But uh, yeah, and speaking of Colt McCoy, he'll probably be the starter. And like you know, Kyler Murray, he won't be likely won't be ready for Week One and. Uh, it's a mystery when he'll be ready, and even when he's ready, it's kind of a question like, what his running ability ability will be like because you know it's a huge part of his game, and I feel like that's been a little compromised now given the injury. And yeah, like, they they cut DeAndre Hopkins, which I, I, again I don't love Hopkins, but I mean he's obviously obviously was their best receiver, and now their receiving room is not really that great. They drafted Paris Johnson sixth overall. They'll help their O line, but I think their O line is is a mess, and their D line. They're gonna suck at the line of scrimmage. And defensively, last <laughs> uh, year they allowed the second most points per game, twenty six point four points per game, and it could get worse since they had you know several departures, uh, including JJ Watt and Buda Baker wants to be traded. And yeah, I I don't the the yeah get the number one pick <laughs> and draft Caleb Williams. That's really what I would call a successful season for them since they're not really going anywhere. But if you want me to come up with other answers, uh, I, I I don't know. I guess just see what they have in their weapons on offense. You know, they have a new head coach. They have a new offensive coordinator. And see how their pieces fit into their offense. Like Marquise Brown, he was not very good last year. He had career lows in yards per route run and yards after the catch and all that. And now he's going to be their number one guy. And so he's going to have to be... Uh, relied on a lot in their offense. And then Rondale Moore, I think, is an exciting player at times, but I don't know. They don't utilize him enough. I'd like to see him get more, you know, become more of a deep threat. And then, you know, Trey McBride, he was a Mackey Award winner in college. So I'd like to see him be more involved. Uh, other than that, yeah, just get the number one pick. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to come up with uh, reasons like what would, you know, help them have a successful season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think Caleb Williams is a really exciting prospect and could really speed up a potential turnaround in Arizona if he landed there. Uh, and they're going to need to have the first pick for that. Probably. They got two sh- cracks at but, it though. If Houston stinks too, yeah, with the Texans, that's yeah. true. Um, but I think another thing that you would want to some capacity is to make Kyler Murray an attractive trade. Target. Right. I don't really no, know I, how you do I, that. No, I actually agree with that. still keep a good pick. See, he's not going to be ready yeah. for week one, but even if they stink, I I, I would want to see Kyler out there still, whatever week he's ready. Yes. yes. I think yeah. so. And and it's like you, you kind of 
I don't know, you kind of win either way. Like if he comes back and he's really good and he starts winning all these games, even if the season's lost by the time he comes in, you're like, well, at least we still have a quarterback. But if he comes mm-hmm. in and he's terrible, then, you know, maybe that helps you get that pick. Um, I don't know how you do both, end up with a good pick and with Kyler Murray looking good enough that you get a really good return. Just hope Houston sucks. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> and, yeah, ultimately, that it definitely puts them in a good position if the, the Texans pick is high enough. Uh, I mean, I agree. I think that's really what it comes down to is you have to factor in the Kyler Murray piece here as well. It's, you know, they could. I, I don't know what the, the money would look like to be able to just get rid of it right. for nothing. But I think that... That would have to play a part in the success but really just beyond the quarterback situation how about looking like you have a really good head coach and general manager with Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin for from what I've heard if it's I don't know if night and day is the right term but it sounds like Jonathan Gannon has only gone up since that yeah. video with Rondell Moore the, the <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Yes. Like, <laughs> that was so cringe uh, well yeah that that was yeah, that I, was super cringy uh, I don't remember what players but there mm-hmm. were some players that have talked about how it's a big culture shock with yes, with, yep. with Gannon yep, as the new the head phrase. coach, which probably means uh-huh. that like he's already already uh, better than Cliff Kingsbury because the yeah the bar is certainly low <laughs> when uh-huh. uh, Kingsbury was there. Yeah, like so. the idea he's more of like a coach instead of just like your buddy, like a who's friend hanging out. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. which I mean I don't necessarily know about Cliff Kingsbury's coaching style, but just knowing about his his personal life, it it kind of feels like he's got the, a the sweet house. I don't know if he can yeah. keep it. Oh, he does. But- <laughs> but mm-hmm. definitely had the definitely had the best draft room uh in that covid year <laughs> it was a yep. lot better looking than belichick's <laughs> yeah well he um well, I, he's still getting paid by the cardinals so true yeah so that money's still, not yeah, going they, they extended him yeah, yeah they gave an extension right before firing him uh-huh. that, that, they extended that was, him was, and steve kime and now they're both gone right, yeah right that, away. that was i had i had don't get me wrong i have plenty of bad takes but one of my bold call for this division last year, one of them, uh, was uh, that Cliff Kingsbury, even though he was extended, would be fired and the Cardinals would have the biggest drop off. And that's exactly what happened. Like, I just never, yeah. I never liked Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. I just found that team to be so undisciplined and sloppy. And yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a step in the right direction uh, that he's not there and they have someone else. But I think you're exactly right, Corey. I think a successful year results, or at the end of the year, you have a better culture. Mm-hmm. You've started setting up your franchise to start competing again, and you start figuring out who are those Gannon guys. Who are the guys right. who play the way that your coach wants them to, and also, uh, you know, reinforce the culture that you're trying to establish. Um, I I remember back at the beginning of the Shanahan era. We were trash. We had Brian Hoyer as the starting quarterback, but the it was the beginning of a new era in 49ers football that enabled us to start competing again. And, you know, when you're this when you're down this bad, I think that that's one of the most important things you can do uh, is turn your franchise around and, and get you to the point where at least you can build for the future with players who are going to do the things necessary to get to the point where you can compete again. Yeah, I think, you know, just looking at a team like the 2021 Detroit Lions, they lost a lot of games, but they were competitive enough that you at least felt good about them moving forward. And I think that, yeah, you that, know, you that had to have been the both worlds. That had to have been the best three and 14 team ever. <laughs> just because well, three, three, 13 and one. <laughs> or, oh, right. They tied your team, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, three, 13 and one. And even though that, yeah, like they only had three wins, that was a team that was, like you said, 
competitive in a lot of games and mm-hmm. there was a culture there where they genuinely liked playing for each other and for their coach and I mean I'm sure Jonathan Cannon doesn't have as you know the same personality as Dan Campbell although pew 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 maybe he does <laughs> uh, uh, yeah if 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 he sets up a good culture for the Cardinals, then yeah, that could be a good step in the right direction. All right. To be clear, I hope he doesn't. Yeah. I oh, hope um, he fails. Yes. But. Yeah. Yep. We. <laughs> I, <hope> he... <laughs> I think we get it that you hope that the Niners go seventeen and zero, and everyone else in the division goes two and fifteen. <laughs> but um, you know, o fifteen and two. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> Um, all right, so with that, let's move on to our next uh, set of topics that we'll ask at the end of every divisional preview episode, and we will start off with one that we have had in years past continue to do is, who is a new addition to the division who can have the biggest impact? Do I forget who we said was going to go first, so I'll just trust I'll, that you know who I'll, I'll, I'll just go first. I know we didn't really pick, but I'll just go first. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I really like the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba. He, you know, he only played three games as a junior, but he put up an absurd sophomore season where he had that game where in that Rose Bowl game where he had 15 catches, over 300 yards, and three touchdowns. And you know, in the the Buckeyes wide receiver coach, he, he was asked to rank like what you know the best wide receiver prospects he's coached at Ohio State, and he ranked. He ranked he ranked Smith and Jigba second, uh, only behind Marvin Harrison Jr., who will be in the NFL uh, very soon, and which will make me feel really old. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think JSN, I I just I just think he could be the guy that really propels their offense to becoming from really good to great or possibly elite. And so yeah, I'm gonna go with him. Yeah, I think that he could become the new best wide receiver of the NFL whose first name starts with a J and then his last name is Smith hyphen something else. I, I think he has that kind of potential. You mean the um, past Juju? So, yeah, I was just about to say Juju. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, you want to go next, Benjamin? Okay, yeah, so I'll go next. Um, I think the player that's kind of the biggest impact I think this is a hard division for this um, because it feels like some of these teams aren't even trying to add impactful <laughs> players. But uh, um, I'm going to go with uh, one that I honestly never saw coming, uh, which was Bobby Wagner joining the Seahawks. You know, I've seen some jersey swaps, and I have to like rub my eyes because I can't believe what I'm seeing. This Rams legend joining <laughs> the Seahawks. But more seriously. Um, you know, I think Bobby Wagner is in the mold of some of the greatest middle linebackers that this league has ever seen. Um, you know, kind of your your Erlacher or Patrick Willis or, you know, even Ray Lewis or, uh, you know, if you want to talk more contemporary, kind of like Fred Warner and Levante David, these guys who are just every down, like never come off the field, get the most tackles on the defense, out there just directing traffic and kind of really putting together like just uh you know raising all boats in the in the uh port i don't know where i'm going with that metaphor but he just makes the team better and even though the rams defense was not great last year he was great Mm -hmm. and i think adding him to this kind of resurgent uh seahawks defense uh, like this that are kind of on the upswing here i think he's a big part of that and i think he can continue to be dominant and really help out this defense that needs to improve 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had both of those names in consideration. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate to go with another Seahawks player, but I feel like the Niners have so many talent already that what's another guy and the other two teams like we said expectations much lower seattle is a team that could go from really good or you know good enough to make the playoffs to a great team and i think the one area of improvement they most need to grow in is run defense like i talked about earlier 30th in the league all but four games out of 18 last year they allowed 100 yards or more bobby wagner feels like one guy who can help with that Another player who I think is going to have very high expectations and Seattle hopes to have a big impact is Draymond Jones, who they got from the Denver Broncos. He's going to be on the defensive line. Now, say what you want about pro football focus. And I mean, literally say what you want, love them or hate them. I go back and forth on it all the time, how much I should believe them. But they gave him a 67 pass grade, pass defense grade, you know, pass rush, whatever, but a 41 run grade. And that's the guy who they invested all of their money in. Three years, $51 million, $40 million guaranteed, which is a lot to guarantee in NFL contracts. So if he can come in and, you know, whether or not he has that, you know, PFF grade high, if he can have a big impact on that Seahawks run defense to go along with an already potentially elite pass defense, then I think that could really set the Seahawks apart uh if their run defense continues to struggle then i think it'll be difficult for them to really go any higher than they were last year yeah i i think i think the seahawks d line is it's their most glaring weakness on their team but yeah like adding Draymond jones is definitely uh definitely should make a huge impact he was great on denver last year the one mm-hmm. probably the very, one of the few guys that played really well i mean their defense <laughs> was actually really good so i guess yeah uh, it's just uh, that their, their defense was always so so bad <laughs> that yeah. it's hard to you know look at how good the defense was actually playing. Uh, but yeah, I think he, I think he'll make a great impact. And like they added Boye Mafe last year in the draft in the second round, and uh, Pete Carroll's mentioned how he's he's the most improved guy from last season to this this year's training camp. So that's promising. And they added uh, Derek Hall in the second round as well. So like. Yes, it's their biggest weakness on their team, their run defense, no doubt. But they they made moves this offseason that could turn that around. So mm-hmm. yeah, I <laughs> I really thought I was going to be like the highest on the Seahawks, but it sounds like all three <laughs> of us are are uh, are are high on them to an extent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly, the Seahawks have been too good in my lifetime uh-huh. to doubt them now. They're always just like, oh, they might be bad, you know? They, they got this no name quarterback out of. Uh, Wisconsin, and suddenly yeah, right. they go on a ten-year tear. The, the F grade draft from 2012. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, do a player, the player or coach who is under the most pressure to succeed in this division. So Benjamin, we'll start with you this time. Well, um, I'm trying not to uh, like tread over ground we've already like thoroughly explored. So I'll go with. 49ers kicker Jake Moody. Okay. <laughs> okay. Jake Moody, yeah. 99th overall pick, uh-huh. and which immediately had every single analyst baffled and uh you know it, like reaching for the uh you know the stamp and the ink pad to put a F minus on the 49ers uh draft report card. Um he's replacing the great Robbie Gould who has still not missed a field goal in the playoffs his entire career. 
dude is has been going hard for a very long time and we all saw what happened to the bears when they decided that Robbie Gold was not worth the money yep so it's a very important position that people take for granted but it is so important that the 49ers got this right and having the history of drafted kickers be full of examples of wasted draft picks i think there's a lot of pressure on Jake Moody to show up and play as advertised as this best kicker in college football and to not be this thorn in the side of the 49ers if he doesn't work out. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the young man to quickly fill the, like the shoes of Robbie Gold. I, mean, I like that. That's a, that was a sneaky, impact. but yeah. I actually love that uh, pick. That <laughs> is oh, it's a, a kicker, great one. But, but <laughs> I know. They, they, they invested a high draft capital uh, for the position. I remember watching yeah. the yeah, considering the Niners didn't even have any good draft picks this year, so he's yeah, right? one of their highest picks. I remember I I mean, watching that... the video of uh, Kyle Shanahan talking with Jake Moody on the phone, telling him that they're about to pick him, and it's like, yeah, we really think highly of you. We're like, we're not taking a uh, an actual skill position in the third. Round. We're taking a <laughs> kicker. <laughs> like him telling uh... him that is, is just <laughs> hilarious to me. Um, yeah, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on him right away. So yeah. Well, speaking of Kyle Shanahan, I'm gonna go with him. Uh, as the guy that I, I think that has the most pressure uh, in this division, just because uh, he's definitely a sharp head uh, head coach in the league, definitely a great offensive mind, but no Super Bowls. Like I just think uh, if he's if he's gonna be regarded as like one of the top or the top guy uh, head coach in the league, he's got to win a Super Bowl in my opinion. And I just think that as great of a coach as he is. Uh, especially offensively. Uh, I just think that there's just been too many times where the Niners just come up short. We all, we all expect them to be great and make the playoffs, but I don't know. They, they've, they've failed in the last two NFC championship games. Granted last year was a little unfair, but still, um, I don't know. I just think at some point, like you got to win one at some point. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, we've we've seen him fail on the biggest stage plenty of times before. Yeah, even, even as before. an offensive coordinator, too. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I blame him for twenty eight to three more to three. so than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it's very fair. Say so he's got to win it eventually. I don't necessarily think he's on the hot seat, but no, he's not on the know, hot it, seat. I just it is so, only a matter of time where you know. You, how long but, can you continue to have a guy who just falls short? So. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's not on the hot seat. I'm, I'm not going that mm-hmm. far with it. I just think that you start to question him if he, if he can't, if him and the, the Niners team, like they can't uh, go all the way again. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, do you have doubts about him before we I give mine? Or you're very no, I, I'm glad you clarified and said he's not on the hot seat because uh, I can't imagine the 49ers going in any other direction, especially because of how closely tied um, John Lynch is to uh, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, the Kyle Shanahan-John Lynch era has been a return to dominance that the 49ers have not seen since the Jim Harbaugh era. And then before the Jim Harbaugh era, we hadn't seen it since the 90s. So this is one of the high points in 49ers history. Yes, the 49ers have come up short, but... It is really tough to win a Super Bowl. And if anything, last year is like the easiest one to write off and be like, that is not his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, it's amazing that he got the team this far with his third string, seventh round draft pick quarterback. So I, I would say that losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Shanahan was more 
on the hot seat or like more doubted than he is right now. Just because, I mean, the last two postseason exits have been, you know, at the at the end of a long tra- trail of painful injuries. Uh, the 49ers, when they lost to the Rams, were also beat to hell and in kind of a tough spot as well. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's not... Um, I think you're right. There's a lot of pressure there because the expectation is so yeah. High. The, the, uh, I, but I had to clarify that like not he's much... not on the hot seat. Yeah. I just uh-huh. no. I, yeah. I did. I admittedly struggled to come up with an answer, but it's just that the expectations of the Niners are so high, and they haven't, you know, sealed the deal in in this era. So, uh, you know, like at some point, well. Yeah. Especially if the 49ers, like, let's say the 49ers bottom out this year and win five games and it's not, and everybody's healthy, then we've got issues. That, like, this seems unthinkable right now, uh-huh. but football is rarely predictable. You, if that something like that happens, then yeah, I think we do feel the seat start to warm up. Yeah. yeah. That, no, it's so unlikely, but, but no, I, I get uh, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of ways to attack this question. It definitely leads to some interesting answers. Uh, I feel like a couple names that, feels somewhat obvious here a guy like kyler murray even geno smith you know they're guys who if they don't perform well this year they could be out of their jobs but just to throw out someone who we haven't really talked about here we spent a lot of time talking about the seahawks defense all the guys they've added we've highlighted the secondary said you know we've thrown out the term legion of boom obviously like we don't (laughs) want to put those expectations on them but when you look at you know they seemingly found a gem in reek woolen they just invested a top five pick in devin witherspoon quandre Diggs is a three-time pro bowler michael jackson and kobe bryant rest in peace (laughs) to both of them but also like they are big parts of that secondary very much alive (laughs) in the seahawks secondary uh they just you know they added julian love to give them some depth at safety and there's just one name i'm missing here and that's jamal adams i mean the guy was highly regarded with the jets highly regarded by the seahawks to the point that they give up two first round picks to acquire him and they went out and handed him a four-year 70 million dollar contract and it's fair to say he hasn't lived up to the expectations based on what they've done to acquire him and keep him in the fold he only played one game last year he I believe torn quadriceps muscle, but even 2021. Right. Yeah. Wasn't all that great. He had two interceptions, which <laughs> doubled his career total. He's never been a big interception guy, but he didn't have a single sack in 2021. He hasn't sacked a quarterback since 2020. We did nine and a half that year. Uh, and I think he's someone who doesn't have any more guaranteed money. And if he doesn't perform, he's probably not going to be part of this Seahawks defense moving forward. And, who knows what's going to happen with his career? I'm sure he'll continue to get shots because of his name and his past performance. But if he wants to continue to get this big money, uh, you know, be part of this deal and ultimately be a big reason why the Seahawks take the next step, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to be a big part of this team and not just, you know, yeah, that, be on injured reserve, not perform all year. Yeah, that, that's a great pick. <laughs> Gino would have been a good pick as well. Uh, I mean Kyler too, but I I I guess I've just written off Kyler at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. but no, Jamal Adams is definitely a good pick. I mean, yeah, we barely seen him play in, in the past couple of years. Yeah, exactly. So and it you know it didn't stop the Seahawks from being good last year. So he's someone who, if he can be the guy that they want him to be, and we thought he would be for a long time, then the Seahawks team could be great. And if he's not, then uh, you know the defense will probably not 
reach the heights that we hope they do and Adams probably won't reach the career heights that he hopes he does. So, all right, finally, let's wrap this up with bold predictions. Uh, I did give the one, one of the ones I had earlier, uh, tying the Steelers and the Rams. I guess I'll just throw another Steelers one. They play the 49ers week one. I'm going to say the Steelers continue the trend of beating Super Bowl favorites in week one, like they did to the Bills in 2021, the Bengals in 2022. Everyone panics. Oh, no, Brock Purdy is not great anymore. Like, the Niners are not this great team, and it's not going to matter. They're going to turn things around right away. It'll be, oh, remember when that (laughs) happened back in September? Uh, And then the other bull prediction I have here. So uh, last season, we asked that expectations question about the Atlanta Falcons. They obviously weren't that great, but they flirted with playoff contention and the terrible NFC South for longer than expected. 2021 we said about the eagles they did make the playoffs i don't think the cardinals are making the playoffs i'm not going that far but i do think that they're going to be a little better than expected and i think a big part of that is going to be the culture change with jonathan gannon i had my doubts right away you know from that video but everything i've read since then he is going to receive down ballot coach of the year votes and the cardinals will feel good about him you know, I think that he'll have just enough success, just enough overachievement for a team that a lot of people says is going to be the worst in the league. And because of that, he'll you'll feel better about the Cardinals. Be like, man, they kind of are overachieving. I didn't think that they'd win five or six games. I thought they'd win two. So that kind of thing. Yeah, in terms of the teams that are expected to suck, I feel that way about Houston. <laughs> like maybe surprising like a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, but... No, I, I think that I think the Cardinals are getting the number one pick. <laughs> Part of me is <laughs> just they're in like their own pick. We, not <laughs> yeah. Every time we say that about these I know. teams, like it's like wow. Okay, I guess now they're over under. <laughs> they're over under is four and a half. Like in terms of their win win total this year, it's I, very low. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't like the Cardinals at all this year. Um, but no, like that's bold. Yeah, and uh, again, my- I, I'm also planning on giving bolder <laughs> predictions than normal, and I'm just right. hoping that something sticks and I can right. look kind of smart. So. <laughs> I don't know how bold this is since all three of us like them, but uh, I was going to say Seahawks NFC Championship. Is that, is that oh, bold? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, wow. going yeah. from losing the wild card round to the NFC so, Championship To, NFC, game to is making bold. the NFC Championship, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll say uh-huh. that. I'm, I'm definitely high on Seattle. Nice. I'm not going to say who that other team is that they'll play, but because <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> it could okay. easily be the team that uh, they're facing in this division, <laughs> or it could be a different team. Are we going to keep going, or is yeah? Oh, and that was my only one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So I have I have a couple. Uh, first one is I'm running it back. I'm saying Nick Bosa does sign an extension with the 49ers, and then he wins Defensive Player of the Year again. Nice. Uh, you know, I think he's in his prime, and there's no reason why he can't run it back. So Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. And I also think, speaking of the 49ers D-line, I think Javon Kinlaw is going to come out of nowhere and live up to his draft potential. He's going to come in there and be a monster, and people are going to wonder how the 49ers possibly can cram so much talent on one D-line. He's apparently a different shape now. Oh, really? That's like what they're ex- describing him as. They're like, he's more of like a edge rusher now than he is like yeah. interior D-line. And he's apparently looked really good. Yeah, you know, you always hear it said about training camp, best shape of his life. Uh-huh. But the the hype is definitely there for Kinlaw at 49ers camp, which 
has not been the case for a, a while. His knee issues have been an uh, have been an issue. So uh, I think they talked about him losing a lot of weight so that he uh, you know does less damage to himself when he's out there playing football because uh, his knees have those issues. So I'm thinking Javon Kinlaw has a big year. That's my bold prediction. And finally, the boldest of these predictions. You guys aren't ready for this. Okay. Um, but this is the boldest Trey one. Trey Lance MVP? And <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the boldest. You, you could never imagine a pick so bold. It's uh, Jake Moody will play well enough that all the everybody agrees that he was a good pick. Nice. <laughs> all right. And by the end of the season, everyone will steal agree, of like, the okay, draft value. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should have been a first rounder. No, uh, I'm not even saying that people are going to say that. I'm just going to say people are like, okay, the pick. Makes I get sense. it. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's and to tell you the truth, that is bold because I I've I've heard so many jokes when people are like when you know the depths of the off season and the only football content out there is draft reviews mm-hmm. everything was like oh the 49ers they only drafted a kicker that's all they did <laughs> f minus and it's like uh, okay thanks so i think those people were going to be like eating crow like a little nibble of crow being like well okay it was it was fine <laughs> feels like the that's it, it's a high bar to I'm say bitter. a kicker is worth I'm a third-round pick. So <laughs> for them to walk back <laughs> on it, you'd be like, well, they could have just signed him an undrafted free agency. The, the, Raiders, anyway. the Raiders took Janikowski with like the 11th pick in the draft or something crazy yeah, he's, high. He was very high yeah, in the first round. You could say he, we, could think, you say he was worth it? <laughs> he kicked for them forever. I, he did, but I mean, he never I, kicked I, them into the playoffs or anything. Well, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, what I'm saying is, yeah, Jake Moody's going to have to have that kind of kick or <laughs> yeah. that series of kicks where it's like he actually is clutch. Like this uh, is something he's going to have to replace Robbie Gold at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we as you know, just talking about Robbie Gold and the Bears, you know, Bears fans will be the first to tell you that a promising season can be ruined by one bad kick and a really bad moment that takes multiple bounces off the goalposts and gets lived in <laughs> infamy till the end of time. So, yep. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for the NFC West division preview. So, uh, Benjamin Carlson, thank you. Always a pleasure having you on to talk NFC West football. Um, always a fun time. And uh, I guess you can give us your standard affable chat, et cetera, plugs here. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks for having me back on. I always enjoy listening to He's Done It, and it's an even greater joy to be able to come on here and uh, have a conversation with you guys. Um, you know, it's it's so exciting. Every um, August, you guys do your previews, and I always enjoy kind of using that as part of my process of getting back up to speed. Uh, you know, I feel like I know the, a lot about the NFC West because I did some research for this, but there's so much more to the league than just this one division. So I'm looking forward to listening to the other episodes and seeing who your other guests are. Um, so I'm just happy to be a part of that. Uh, you know, Apple chat is a movie review podcast. We release episodes every week. I mentioned Barbenheimer. By the time you hear this, we'll have both of those episodes out. We already did the Oppenheimer one. Barbie's coming out any, any moment now, honestly, Ooh, okay. uh, could be, yeah, could be out tomorrow potentially if we get the thumbnail done in time. Uh, but it'll be out by the time you hear this listener. So, uh, you know, check us out. We do new movies. We do great movies. We do old movies. We do bad movies. Uh, we're, you know, add us to your collection and whenever you see a movie you've seen, you should tune in and listen to us, break it down. But, uh, but yeah, once again, thanks for having me on Corey. Uh, we, you know, I love he's done it and I'm happy to be here once again. Always a pleasure.
<laughs> and I guess, you know, before we let you go here, you know, not to put you too much pressure on the spot, but if you're interested in doing another one in a few weeks, we need someone for the NFC East. <laughs> and I'm also saying this, if you don't want to do it, then this is an open invite to anyone listening to this. <laughs> so <laughs> There's a lot of moving parts. I'm not going to agree to anything right now, but uh, but uh, I, it's flattering. <laughs> okay. And I, I got, I'll say, if you're listening and you want to talk about the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Commanders, uh, reach out. If you know us personally, reach out personally, reach out to the Instagram, reach out to the X. <laughs> um, you know, we might be on threads one of these days. I don't know what the latest is with that platform. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We have every other division claimed, but that is a popular division. And yet we don't really have a lot of friends, I guess, that want to talk about their teams in that division. So uh, talk to me anyway. off pod. I might be able to hook you up with somebody. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So anyway, uh, we'll continue bringing out more NFL season previews. Uh, For now, for our guest, Benjamin Carlson, for my regular co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Courtney Botney. Thanks, everyone.